Hey there, I'm Judy Kroon. Welcome to another episode of Laugh Long and Prosper. Shelf help with a dash of humor. I believe humor is one of our best coping mechanisms, especially when we're facing stress in unknown times like COVID. Today is Monday. That means it's time for just another Mindful Monday. I'm chatting with comedian Paul Sveen. Uh, Paul tours nationally. He's been on the uh, Canadian Comedy Club circuit for over 25 years. He's performed at Edmonton, Winnipeg, Montreal, Halifax, St. John's Comedy Festivals. He's appeared on CTV's Comedy Now, CBC's Madly Off in All Directions. Uh, he's taught stand-up comedy for over 30 years in clubs and schools, and he's won the National Teaching Award for Using Humor to Heal. He's a published author of a book called The Angel's Claw. Um, Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, my, my honor, uh, Judy, for having me. Thank you for having me here. Well, you know, I, uh, I just love the stuff that you write, and I want to put it out there to folks. Um, uh, one particular story that you shared on Facebook that I'd like to, for you to share today, because, you know, we have so much uncertainty and so much um, stressful news that it's great to have some feel good stories. But before we get into your feel good story with this, with this great road story, I love comedic road stories. Um, I want to ask you since it's on the uh, top of my mind here, uh, because you had mentioned it a little bit before we went on the air. So you have a book called the angels claw and uh, describe to folks what that's all about. Okay. As a stand-up comic, uh, you know, I got into comedy doing the clubs and being an opener than a middle and started working doing corporate nationally and all those things. But uh, when I first started, uh, somebody said I had to do five minutes. And my response was, what? <laughs> like, what? Five minutes? <laughs> like that? terrified me i thought well, how do i get five minutes of comedy so you, you eventually start to build it up and then all of a sudden the club owner goes okay we want you to middle okay okay what do i have to do well you need 15 minutes of material what <laughs> so the whole process of me exploring humor was through terror through fear like how do i get this material i hope people like me and all that and all the things that people worry about in public speaking and then it finally occurred to me that these weren't my strengths. My strengths wasn't just in being on stage, sharing material uh, jokes and doing what everybody else was supposed to do in a club. My strengths came in uh, from, and it's not my ego. I realized my strengths came from my soul, from mm. my spirit, from my heart. Mm. It's just that when you're on stage doing jokey joke jokes, for me, if someone didn't like me, they didn't like my jokey joke jokes. They're this fictional character I had on stage. But if I was just myself on stage, Paul Sveen talking from my heart and no one liked me, I, I it crushed me. I took it personally and mm. it was really, really difficult to find my strengths. And uh, I come from a household where my dad is a national. My dad is a uh, recorded 34 records. He's a musician. He's very oh, famous. Wow. Yeah, wrote books and toured nationally and TV, internationally. So he's very CBC on all as a musician. So I'm from I'm from this school of music and entertainment. So I finally realized that I needed to just be myself somehow and find a way to do that. And I did that through writing my book called The Angel's Claw, which was about fear and what a, and what fear attracts. And fear attracts 
death. Fear attracts more. And as a comedian, if you're terrified on stage, you're never going to be who you're supposed to be as a, as a musician, as a person. Anything, anything we do in life, fear seems to crush us, uh, for me anyway. So I started writing this idea of there has to be some kind of force like angels in my mind that uh, respond to this fear. Like you can't get away with hurting people. You can't get away with being a bully. You can't get away with, uh, you know, uh, all these evil things that people do to each other. And I created these dark angels called rec and they're called reclamations. And what they are is they are bad people themselves that were given a near death experience. And in their near-death experience, they saw who they really were, these eternal lights. And they came back and they were reclaimed. And now they went forward and they reclaimed bad people and turned them into dark angels. So this is and, like a horror story then. This is like Stephen uh, no. King kind of stuff, right? Well, it kind of is. But the book is based on a homeless man that doesn't know that he has a purpose. Like all of us. All of us, hmm. have, no, all of us have no idea or a lot of us doubt our worth. We doubt mm -hmm. our purpose and we doubt where we belong. And, and uh, what happens is, and me and my wife talked about this, Nernie, someone can do amazing things their entire life, but if they get an impaired driving charge, they're no longer the person that uh, helped build a hospital. No, he's the guy that got an impaired driving charge. Right. We're, always, we're always the worst thing we've done. Mm -hmm. So in writing this book, I was uh, I was a full blown alcoholic hmm. when I start when I started writing the book, and as I started writing the novel, uh, I came to a decision by myself in a hotel room one day that said, "Paul, if you're going to write this book, you're going to have to make a, a a serious change in your life." Because I would start a draft and quit because I'd go on a six week tour and I'd come back hungover, hmm. and so my novel about angels was a novel that got me sober. And I've been sober for uh, almost 25 years. Congratulations. And, That's amazing. Yeah, it's thank you very much. And I, I don't know what the higher power is. It's really, really, it's really incredible because uh, I had, I had written five drafts of a 400 page novel over 12 years. And I quit one day. I said, I can't do this. I don't have mm. any talent. I don't have any talent to write. What am, who do I think I am? So I quit in the late October uh, one year uh, in, in mid 2000s, early 2000s. And I walked outside, it was four o'clock in the morning and a voice in me said, Paul, look up. And I thought I was exhausted. I was just been writing for 14 hours and I just quit my book. And I, I decided to play with myself and go, okay, I'm gonna look up. And I looked up and it was a, a clear, absolutely abject dark night no stars. I don't know why, but it was just black. And I looked up and I said, there's nothing there. Hmm. And this voice in me said, Paul, keep looking. And I kept looking. And as I looked into the darkness of space, I saw a twinkle way, 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 way off in the distance. And then I saw another twinkle. And then I realized the more I looked in the darkness, the more, the more light I saw. And this voice in me said, Paul, the more, uh, the more you, the more you look for me, the more you'll see me keep writing. I, I, I'm not, I'm not a good enough writer to invent something like that. So I, <laughs> uh, it blew me away. That voice blew me away. And I, I finished my book, became sober and I used my humor after that. I started attracting all these, uh, uh, these, uh, 
AA uh, and, uh, and Narcotics Anonymous uh, conventions would book me to mm. talk to people that were newly sober. And uh, it's odd for me, from in my point of view, that usually the person that's having the least amount of fun in a comedy club, in my experience, is the comedian. Yeah, that's a good point. We're usually yeah. too afraid in the back of the room, afraid, well, worrying about it. Worrying, as, plus it's business. And, yeah. and all, you're, you're right. So I, I started talking because I, I am a recovering alcoholic. I started talking to these people that were going through the same recovery process of stop beating yourself up, man. You are perfect the way you are. You, you are in this moment and using humor in the stories from my life about my, about my recovery. Uh, it's, I started helping people uh, to face their light to face their their purpose their strengths and through that process i i started uh having class stand-up comedy classes that i've been teaching forever but they started attracting other people that had post-traumatic stress soldiers that were in iraq and afghanistan mm -hmm. i started dealing with people that had been in car accidents people that for some reason and it's a higher power i'm going to say my class started attracting people that were in personal crises and just it's amazing how these classes helped each other. They held, they hugged each other. They cried. It's a stand-up comedy class, but mm. it turned into it turned into a recovery class. And then the stand-up comedy night, you know, it, it's incredible. Uh, we had a lady that was in our class who was about to put her husband of uh, 48 years into a hospital for Alzheimer's because she could no longer take care of him. Wow. And she was in the class and she was sobbing. And I remember... I just uh, just remembered how beautiful it was, how the students just held her. She was mm. a senior, a senior in her late seventies, and mm. they held her. And uh, it was a comedy class in here, and I'm still sobbing years later. Yeah, but uh, the comedy night when we had the performance, it was over 400 people in this comedy club, just packed, and they were there to support her. And um, I remember when the class was over, and never the club, the club was empty. She she stood beside me about to leave the club. It was just her and me, the senior. And she said, my husband doesn't remember who I am. Mm. And he hasn't remembered for 10 years. And every day is a fight to get him dressed, to get him to eat, to, 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 to do anything. And he doesn't remember who I am. And she looked around the club. She goes, I will never, ever forget tonight. Mm. and so it's the power of of humor to heal yeah is uh is is where i am and i try and that's where that's where i am every day is just continually moving into the grace and the healing power and the abundance and the gratitude of miracle and miracles of the healing power of humor that's that's where i am um and that's what I've been evolving from from a stand-up comic to a teacher to an, to an author you know, I guess there's a challenge in because you just said it that getting the the humor out of of something that can be really painful, really dark. What percentage of you know roughly what percentage of somebody's uh, life trauma, whether whatever their uh, addiction at the time tends to be, um, what percentage of that is is in the act, or do you find the majority of people talk about other stuff? Like, would you say the 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 bulk of the material for most of your students is about their recovery, or or is it all over the map? Um, 
it's about the recovery. It's about their, their, mm. their it's about the, the, the mitochondrial DNA of their story. Mm. And I've had a lot of arguments with students. I've had students that were angry. They came to the class to write jokes. And here we are talking about personal stories about them surviving uh, dysfunction or surviving uh, war or whatever. But that's who they are. Right. And the, the stand-up comedy, in my perspective, what I went through was no matter where the comics were, the most of the comics I worked with, they weren't in the room. They were actually performing for somewhere else. Like, hey, they're in the club but they wanted to be at a festival or they weren't at a festival. They wanted to be on TV or they weren't on TV. They wanted to be, they wanted to be in a movie. So they were always somewhere else. And um, it's, it's, it's not so much Eckhart Toller and the power of now. Mm. It's, it's, it's about us being here in the moment, but it's also about us letting go and just sharing your story because there are, uh, there are, I mean, in a club, you're supposed to have a, you're supposed to have a punchline every 15 seconds. Right. A club owner wants to hear a jokey joke joke or a punchline every 15 seconds. And they want to hear the zaniness. And I totally understand that it's the business. This is show and this is business. But if mm-hmm. you go up on stage, if you go up on stage and just start sharing your story and not worrying about, not worrying about uh, the, the, the mechanics of it, but just, opening your heart you're not going to reach maybe the club owner you're not going to maybe reach the headliner or other comedians but you're going to reach the people that need to hear your story and 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 not everyone likes uh not everyone likes uh let's say uh joni mitchell for instance just off the top of my head not everyone likes uh leonard cohen and not everyone likes nirvana but each one of those examples has their own audience and each one of us, by telling our truth and sharing our truth, heal people that are supposed to hear your story. And in doing that, you will attract your audience by attracting the people you're supposed to reach. So we need to be ourselves, And that's the hardest thing in the world to do is to be yourself. Just be yourself. Do you um, have students in your class who aren't in recovery or is the prerequisite for taking no. the class uh, no. to no, I'm sorry. No, it's anybody who wanted to take my class was allowed okay. in my class. And it it's, it just seemed that the the, the stand up comedy night uh, in the club after five weeks of being in the class and then with the homework, um, uh, you know, and then w- within the five weeks, um, I have principles that I, I, I work on. Like the first class is moving into your childhood. Do you remember the stories of your childhood? Hmm. And then moving into your inner critic. Um, seriously, so many of us have been abused emotionally and verbally. Hmm. Uh, you know, I remember once uh, I was going on a date and I was getting ready and I just jumped in the shower and I told her, could you please just here's the paper. Here's the newspaper. Pick a pick a movie out. And so I take a shower, get ready, come out. And she's staring at the newspaper and she hasn't opened it and something's wrong. Hmm. I said, what's, what, are you okay? And she started crying. And I'm going, what's, and I sat next to her and I go, what's wrong? And she told me the story that when she was in grade three, a teacher asked her to read a part of a children's book on stage. And she, she wasn't a, an advanced reader or a speaker or she froze. And her teacher shamed her 
in front of everybody and told her to sit down. You're the worst reader I've ever heard. Terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. But that stuck with her. Now she's in her mid-20s mm -hmm. and she was she was paralyzed when she had to speak in front of people because of something that happened 25 years ago or 20 years ago. So everybody comes into the class with a different someplace where they're stuck. And I, I, you know, if somebody wants to come to the class to learn basic writing mechanics, I, we have that information. Uh, I'm a playwright and I'm an author and I'm a stand-up comic and I'm a teacher. So, but if they want to come here to, uh, to just to laugh, there's students that just couples that came to the class just as a couples night for five weeks. So there was all sorts of different reasons why people in the class, but for some reason, as the class developed, it seemed to uh, attract people that had a challenge with their personal confidence. They didn't feel they belonged for whatever reasons. And laughter and the support of the class and the comedy night absolutely made them know that they belonged. And that started attracting people that needed, that needed to feel that they needed they needed some kind of uh, of affirmation that they that they were important, that they had value, and they they do have value. And my class developed uh, started to work out of that process of people coming to the class uh, to heal, to to get self confidence, and to learn stand up, and to see the power of humor. So it it was incredible. Well, I'm so happy, Paul, that you have found your uh, your niche because you are um, you're, the stories that you share are are really phenomenal on Facebook. I mean, that's how we worked together years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but it was nice to reconnect. That's what I love about Facebook is reconnecting with people. And um, you know, I uh, I love what you're doing with your uh, I love what you're doing with your humor, with your teaching, with your writing. You are where you are supposed to be you have found your purpose and knowing you you are probably still looking like what else can I do what else is you know how else can I can I give back but you know you're a very you're a very special person and oh. one one of your stories that I I wanted you to uh to share with the audience today uh like I said you know being a a fellow comic I love road stories um, but this one had like a, a Canadian flair to it that I thought yeah. was quite unique. So do you mind sharing it with our audience? No, I, yeah, my honor. Uh, <laughs> just really quickly before I do that, I want to ask you, when you post something on Facebook or any kind of media, mm -hmm. how, how do you deal with the passive aggressive shaming that people seem to do? Like, um, in comments. what respect? So, so I, I like it, me posting a story like the one I'm about to share, yeah, uh, has had comments from people no. that, that are that are mean. Yes, are you serious? I am serious, and and I, I have a story that I wanted to share the last week after that story. Uh, I was on a I was on a crowded sidewalk. It was packed, mm -hmm. and I heard I heard crying, and nobody else heard the crying, and so I climbed under this. Uh, billboard not far from the sidewalk and there was a maybe a 11 12 year old girl with her her face in her hands and she was sobbing mm. and i sat next to her and i said are you? I, I right away i thought about calling the police going are you okay and her first words were my parents hate me and i sat next to her 
and I talked with her uh, and, and just, I, anyway, it's a really, really cool story about purpose. And mm. I haven't been able to share it because the last couple of stories I wanted to share got uh, some, some mean comments. So I'm just wondering, how do you deal with that? Like well, when- you know what? I'll just say off the very top for the for the passive aggressive or full on aggressive comments that uh, sometimes you have to have to read on your page. Um, mm-hmm. I typically just delete them. I don't even engage with them because oh, wow. okay. I, I, I think, you know what? We're not even on we're not even on the same. We're not even on the same page. There's probably nothing that I can say that can convince right. you that, um, you know, that, that, that I'm right and you're wrong or you're right. I'm wrong, whatever. Uh, so I typically delete them or I ignore them. What's your, um, what's your response? What do you typically do? I, I try and allow the, the the passive, passive aggressive stories into my heart Mm. instead of reacting right away from my from uh from my ego or from mm-hmm. my from my unconsciousness i try and process it over days and days into my heart uh, until i can just let it go and not worry about it is what i try to do because i'm like i said it's e- it's easy to go on stage and write jokes but it's harder to go on stage and just be yourself uh, mm. uh do, you, do you know leo Biscalia? I just really quickly. Yes, of course. You know, Leo Biscalia was, he was in Australia and he was about to speak to 5,000 people in an auditorium about family. And he gets out of his taxi cab and he's walking up to the auditorium and he sees a bus stop that says bus nine to paradise. And his heart he thought i've never been to paradise i would like to know what instead of walking to the auditorium he gets on the bus and goes to paradise australia Mm. because he listened to his intuition and so i i think intuition is from the universe because i believe the universe conspires with us Mm -hmm. and some people are wounded and i think they don't realize they're being passive aggressive or being mean or attacking and uh so by me attacking back uh, i feel like i'm i'm not showing them that they are more than their anger mm-hmm. and i'm not trying to there's no life lesson here it's just that right I, I i'm all about the healing so i'm just interested in your point of view there but so. let me ask you if i can interrupt you you know in letting that into your heart and like you said sometimes it takes a couple of days to process mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What toll does that take on you? Like, are you okay afterwards? Or is this something that keeps you up at night? Because that's not healthy either, right? No, no, it isn't. It is not healthy. You are correct. But um, I live in a sandbox. I, in, you know, metaphorically, I, I dance and I sing and me and my wife, we, she plays the ukulele and I play guitar <laughs> and we, we sing songs all night. Um, <laughs> so I'm all about the singing and the dancing and rejoicing and our limit, our limitlessness. So it isn't healthy to confront these people. Uh, but it's, I, 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 these stories, if I wouldn't have shared that story about the bus that we're about to talk about, I wouldn't be having this incredible conversation with you. Mm-hmm. So I can't let uh, uh, somebody who's who's in pain and who doesn't want to uh, confront that pain, but uses it to attack to make other feel uh, that pain. I can't really I can't really respond in the same kind of 
you know, anger because I see I see Facebook fights and I see uh, these different fights from celebrities uh, on uh, on uh, on uh, on the internet and stuff like that, and I can't be a part of that. It's, insan- it's insanity. So it I, is. Yeah. It is. So I so I I try and just keep on healing and uh, moving into the healing and try find and and this is a really important thing that I that I've just kind of stumbled onto. I think I think. I think we have breakthroughs. We have the possibility for a miraculous breakthrough in every moment of our life. And when I look back on the regrets of my life and the, and the mistakes I've made in my life and the, all the things that I've been avoiding, especially through alcohol for all those years, something occurred to me that behind all my all the things I'm trying to avoid, there is a lesson and there is a master class designed specifically for me to uh, to grow into the person I'm supposed to be behind all these things I'm trying to avoid. So uh, I, I, I look into those things uh, that happened to me years ago, and I look into those uh, those moments that all, we all share. We all have drama. We all have moments that are horrific and have stress, and, and they're hard to get rid of. But behind them, for me anyways, behind them, I realized there's a light. There's a, a lesson, there's a, a masterclass of information that I can use to, to grow into the spiritual being or the human being I'm supposed to be. We're here to laugh. We're here to love each other. We're here to grow each other, to grow. And uh, in the entertainment business, scarcity is such a prevalent thing. It's People are so terrified of losing their position in, in the entertainment business, whether you're a writer or a musician or whatever it is, we're there's there's no complimenting each other there's no embracing each other and i'd rather do that i'd rather congratulate and 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 be honest about it be like oh my god that's fantastic because when someone has a break personal breakthrough they're showing us how to have that personal breakthrough and so that's where i am now that makes any mistake that if that makes any sense the the, the things that I'm, I'm trying to avoid, it, like, for instance, the passive aggressive comments we get when we post something vulnerable. Yeah, no, com- you're you're a good man. You're a good man. I mean, really quickly, what happened to that girl, if you don't mind telling me yeah. what, uh, what ended up happening? Well, my car broke down and uh, so I caught a Greyhound bus. I didn't rent a vehicle. I, I sat on a bus. It was packed and there was one empty seat and it was next to me in my bench seat when Greyhound was running out west and so i sat him i sat down waiting for this 8 hour drive back to edmonton uh, from regina uh, or saskatoon 6 hour drive excuse me so uh, the bus is about to leave and a young afro american lady gets on and right away i knew she was terrified i could feel it i could say mm. as a com- as a comedian you just sense the intuition Mm-hmm. And I and and I and I realized the bus was packed. I didn't realize I was the last seat, but I just stood up and said, "I have a I have an empty seat over here to this young lady." So she walked over and she sat next to the window, and I sat next to her, and we slowly started talking. And she was from Nigeria. Thirty hours earlier, she had been in her village in Nigeria, mm. and she had flown to Montreal. Uh, from England, I guess, from London, and then to Montreal, and then from Montreal, and she, she's supposed to have a job in Regina, but mm. it, it, when she got there, it had fallen through, so she had no work, and then someone said, I, I think I can get you a job in Alberta, and it's in a place called Drayton Valley, and they had told her 
that Drayton Valley was a bad place for African American people. Be terrified. Be there. Don't talk to anybody. And she was she was literally scared for her life. She sure. needed this, she needed this job so much that she was willing to go by herself into this little town in, in, in Western Canada to get work. And I started talking to her. It was just, it'd be like me going to Nigeria and her helping me through that culture. So I just talked to her. We talked for six and a half hours, seven hours, basically. And we laughed and we learned about each other. And I told her, these are the things you should do. And we talked about laugh, smiling. Because when you smile, you're going to attract other smilers. And smilers are way better than the people that grin and look angry because they want you to be. So it just ended up me helping her. And then she asked me in her broken English if she could call me. Um, and uh, if she was ever uh, had a question that she couldn't answer, if I could answer the question for her. And I said, yes. And I gave her my phone number. And she did call me a couple of months later and said that my advice had helped her because she had been scared, but she remembered to smile. And she and when she smiled, it, it really did open up uh, people's, uh, uh, you know, their hearts to her. And she started meeting people that wanted to help her. And she went from smiling to laughing. And she said, I, she goes, I have a job. I really like these people. And she goes, thank you so much. And I think of her all the time. I haven't talked to her since, <laughs> but I opened up my, just, just by being, you know what, just by being kind, just by being kind to somebody that you never know what they're going through. You never know what they're carrying. You never know what they're fighting. Be kind. And through that kindness and me and her talking, it was a it was a six hour conversation that really, really did help me because like the book, my book, The Angel's Claw, what you send out is what you get back. And when you send out when you send out hope. Uh, whatever you believe that is, when you send out kindness, when you send out laughter, when you send out healing, it, it comes back to you tenfold. You and I would not be having this conversation if I if I didn't have the courage or if I hadn't shared that story. So what I sent out, uh, I got back with this incredible opportunity to speak to you, Judy. Well, Paul, I'm going to have you on the show on the show more often now that I've uh, rediscovered you and your stories and your purpose. Uh, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's phenomenal that you're helping so many people in so many ways. And you know, in terms of those um, in terms of those those comments or those passive aggressive comments, uh, you know, opening your heart, thinking about it, and and. Um, you know, helping those people heal as well. That is, that is brave, like good for you. Um, I want to give folks your information um, so that if they want to reach you, whether it's for a comedy class or if, uh, you know, if they're in recovery and they want to take, uh, you don't have to be in recovery to take Paul's comedy class, but uh, it, it is, uh, many of his students are in recovery, which I think is a, a very unique niche and a very important niche. I'm so glad that you have found that in your life. Um, paulsveen.com is his website, paulsveen.com, S-V-E-E-N, paulsveen.com. Uh, his book is also on there, The Angel's Claw. Um, the Angel's Claw about his the dark angels, the purpose of the dark angels. And, uh, and yeah, so uh, listen, folks, uh, thank you so much for tuning in again, uh, to punchlines with purpose on this Monday. 
Monday. Uh, if you'd like to catch any of my other Laugh Long and Prosper episodes, uh, voted one of the best podcasts of 2021 in Canada by CTV. You can check Beautiful. me out on uh, Judy Croon at Spotify and or SoundCloud and or Amazon or uh, FM Player. Or you can go to my website, judycroon.com. Paul, promise me that you'll come back on the show, okay? It would be my honor, Judy. Thank you so much. All right, folks, until next time, laugh long and prosper.